0: This podcast is sponsored by The Spice House. Since 1957, The Spice House has been elevating your cooking with the highest quality spices and freshest flavors from around the globe. They offer more than 400 spices, from essential and rare spice varietals to proprietary rubs and blends. Visit thespicehouse.com and use the code LCSPICE to get a 10% discount on all orders greater than $25. The offer expires November 1st, 2020.
1: David, would you consider yourself a pastry-phobe?
0: A pastry-phobe? You mean pastry-phobic?
1: Oh God, look, a pastry, run! Right? Yes.
0: No, I absolutely adore pastry. As a Matter of fact, I prefer to make pastry more than any other dough. I prefer to make it more than bread. Bread, I think, is harder to make than pastry. I agree. What about you, Are you a pastry-phobe?
1: No, 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 not at all. I learned Mm. long time ago from my grandma. I mean, some days it turns out differently than others. Right. Depending on the humidity, the barometric pressure, probably if it's a new moon or not. Who knows? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, it's true.
1: I do have a foolproof recipe that I have committed to memory. It's just so simple and it has never let me down.
0: Which one is that?
1: It's just Mm -hmm. butter, Mm -hmm. lard, flour, salt, a little sugar, ice water but in just the right proportions Mm -hmm. and it works
0: is it equal fat equal lard
1: no it's roughly double i think parts butter to lard Mm -hmm. you add the butter first and the Mm. lard a little later because the lard stays a little squishier in the freezer yeah
0: it does than the butter does yeah because the butter has all that water in it. Mm-hmm. Well, it would have been better if you said to me you were really pastry phobic, because then I would have a really good line to follow up with that. But Whoa, for those, wait.
1: A- you can't just say that and then not say the line.
0: Well, I'm going to say the line. I'm going to say that for those listeners who maybe are a pastry phobe, as you said, or pastry phobic, we have the equivalent of the psychiatrist. Oh, how long
1: did you spend on that one? A
0: long time. The psychiatrist with us today. <laughs> That's not a thing. Kate McDermott is the author of the new and wonderful book, Pie Camp The Skills You Need to Make Any Pie You Want. So you're going to want to stick around.
1: He's pointing at you, listeners, in case you couldn't tell. He's pointing <laughs> at you. I'm Renee Shetler, editor in chief of Leeds
0: Culinaria. And I'm David Leet, its founder, and this is Talking With My Mouthful, a podcast devoted to all things food, the people who make it, and the stories that make the people. Welcome to the show, Kate.
1: Thanks for being here, Kate. I'm
2: just delighted to be here. It's always good to be with you both.
0: So let's talk pastry. Let's talk crust. Why do you think so many people are so pastry-phobic? Oh,
2: gosh. Oh, gosh first of all, it's the biggest fear that people have when they come into my classes. Um, Mm. And um, I think it's because we have this idea that we have to have a crust uh, that's going to look like what we see in a magazine. And Mm. I am the first person who will say that my crusts very rarely look like the ones in the magazines. I make perfectly imperfect pies and perfectly imperfect crusts. They're unique Mm -hmm. and... I like to call them artisan crusts.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. Love
1: that
2: word.
0: That covers a lot of ground.
2: I think if we let go of perfection and mm-hmm. allow a dough to do what it's going to do on any given day, because every day they're different.
0: Mm-hmm. They are.
1: Absolutely. Well, and they can smell fear in my experience. I feel like pastry dough is like a dog. It can smell when I'm scared. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes, of that. yeah. And uh, oh my, oh, we have to talk about that one later, Renee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, Kate, you've mentioned in your previous podcast with us that you learned at the elbow of your grandmother, and so it became intuitive. And I learned pie making the same way, same exact way. And you don't think about it; you feel it.
2: Yes, you do. It's you 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 feel your way through things. We feel our way through life, and mm-hmm. I think pie dough. On some days, you say, "Oh my gosh, it's rolled out beautifully," and then you say, "Well, how did I do that?" You know. Mm-hmm. And then other days, it's maybe it's the dough is too hard, and what we need to be thinking of is, well, maybe I need to let it sit for a little while, and maybe I need to have a cup of tea while, you know, I'm letting it Mm -hmm. sit. But I think kind of we have a little bag of tricks that we collect over our experience of rolling doughs and making pies. And I've often said to my students that the only difference between you and me is that maybe I've made a few more pies, but there's no difference. I just continue to roll out, and you will too.
0: And I think that's part of the problem, that people on average... I would assume, make two pies or three pies a year, something in the summer, something at Thanksgiving. And that's basically it. So they're not having that daily or that weekly ritual. Like mm-hmm. Alan's grandmother, my partner's grandmother, she would bake something every single day for dessert. That's just the way she was. Wow. And so she was really adept at that. So what do you think, Kate, If You're thinking about the mistakes people make, and you probably see all the mistakes in your Pi Camp that you have both before in person now and a lot of it now virtually. What are the biggest mistakes that people make?
2: Well, I think one of the biggest mistakes, David, is thinking of it as a mistake instead of a Mm -hmm. opportunity for creativity. Mm-hmm. If I have a place in a dough where it is cracking and falling apart into a a number of different pieces, I call this the jigsaw puzzle pie, where mm-hmm. um you know I'll just I'll glue it together with a little bit of water and let me tell you that jigsaw puzzle pie, I have seen those first hand there was a student in one of my classes who was an editor for a magazine the dough was just falling apart into you know like 20 different pieces and i said not to worry not to worry we glued it very lightly together with some water and that pie made the cover of the magazine so
0: really yes how wonderful
2: if we let go of perfection and allow the personality of our pie come through and celebrate it. And actually, there's the other thing of uh, if somebody compliments you on that pie, please try not to say, "Oh my gosh, you could have seen, you should have seen what happened." You would just say, "Thank you, you're so very kind." Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Absolutely.
2: Because that most important ingredient. Yes, it's the dough. Yes, of course, in the filling. But the most important ingredient that we're putting in that is love. Mm-hmm. Who can
1: fault that? I agree. Well, and there's that beautiful Japanese philosophy of kintsugi where pottery that's broken becomes more beautiful for being mended mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. crack.
2: Yeah. There is one little tip that I do, if I may. Um, At the end of um, eating an entire pie, I actually do what I call a post-mortem on the pie pan. And I look to see is there dough stuck, is there baked on crust on the bottom? Do mm-hmm. I see a lot of moisture or, or the fruit juice on there or the fruity filling or whatever it is? And then that lets me know that I had a weak point in my dough or a, a hole in mm. my dough. So I, you know, that's kind of something that we don't think about as we're learning this craft to actually take a look all the way through, not only at the beginning of rolling it out and getting into the pan, but actually all the way through to the end when the pie has completely been eaten and we look to see, how did my crust do?
1: I think that's really insightful. Well, you've, you've distilled down the essence of pie making into about three simple rules that you say apply not just to pie crust, but to life.
2: Yes, these are the rules that work for me. They say you teach what you need to learn. And for me, it is keep everything chilled, especially yourself. Yes. Um, Keep your boundaries, not to overfill that pie pan because all that stuff will go onto the floor of the oven and burn. And then you have to clean the oven pie. And then to vent. And mm. I think venting appropriately, perhaps with a pie, is something that is pretty cool way to keep ourselves with an equilibrium <laughs> that we're not boiling okay. over.
0: So again, just for everyone that's keep everything chilled. Yes, especially yourself. Yes, Keep your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Don't overfill. Mm-hmm and to vent, mm-hmm. to vent properly. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I need to learn. I do not vent properly. My pies are beautifully vented. My life is very poorly vented.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that.
0: There's a lot of spillover in my life because I've not vented properly.
1: <laughs> We're talking about pastry, David. Yes, We're talking about yes, pastry. Yes,
0: yes, Back, back to life here.
1: Okay, keeping uh, things chilled. I think everybody knows they should be using really cold butter or lard, but do you have any other tips or tricks for that? For
2: keeping things chilled,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh gosh, yeah. Small things like turning off the lights in your kitchen on a hot day. Turn them on when you need it. You know, make sure uh, that you do have some light. You don't want to be making pie in the dark. Well, maybe you could. (laughs) You want Mm -hmm. to wait to preheat the oven. So you can take the time to allow your dough and yourself to chill out and rest. The dough would be, of course, the the pie would be in the fridge while your oven is preheating. And then you can enjoy this little, a little breather. That's that, mm-hmm. you know, keeping yourself chilled. How about if you have hot hands, hold some ice cubes mm-hmm. uh, so that your hands, if you, you're using your hands to be making your dough, of course, uh, so that so that, that's just one small thing. You can get the temperature hands down really, really quickly. I freeze butter if it's a hot day and grate it so that mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't have to worry about melted butter or Mm -hmm. I freeze my flour. That is just small little things, you know, just Mm -hmm. cooling down your rolling surface, putting bags of frozen peas on there or or bags of ice Mm. or something on your rolling Mm -hmm. surface. Maybe sticking
1: your rolling pin in the freezer.
2: Yeah. Many, many different things can help your dough and you stay chill. And, you know, and not to worry about it too much. This is not rocket science. This is Mm -hmm. pie,
0: Right. Well, you have a very interesting section in your book on the pastry section, shall I say, quite technical and filled with jargon. You have this section that's called, how to smush fat into flour.
1: Uh-huh. I, I love that. Include a pronunciation of smush, which smush. I love. Smush.
0: I think that's so yes. so technical and so jargony. Smush. Can you talk to us about the proper way to smush fat into flour?
2: Yes, I can. Smushing is... Um, Something that I love to do. We take the cold fat
1: mm-hmm.
2: and smoosh it into the cold flour with our cold hands. We smush it. It's a way to get that fat so it is flat. And mm-hmm. you can do this with your fingertips and quickly rub the fat in or you could even take your knuckles and push down, and you want it to be just an incompletely mixed smushy mess.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: We want to have some places where it still looks floury and some places where it looks like the fats smushed in. And there's just mm. such a wonderful feeling of just smushing.
1: It could almost be borderline in the vent section, <laughs> right? As you get your energy out on them. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah, David. How do Mm. you make pie crust? I would love to know.
0: Well, it's different. I don't make it this way all the time, but I cut my butter into half tablespoon pieces. I don't cube them. And I mix them with the flour and the salt and I put it on the counter and I roll my rolling pin over it. So I'm flattening them and I sprinkle with more water and then I use my bench scraper and kind of fold it over mm-hmm. and do it again, almost as if like working with laminated dough. Yes. And the more you do that, these layers of butter get longer and eight inches, nine inches longer and you fold them over and you get all these incredible layers. I got that from Shirley Correher mm-hmm. and I started doing that and my gosh, it was almost like having a puff pastry for my pie crust. It was amazing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I keep learning about dough over the years. So mm-hmm. the, sure. the main dough that I did in Art of the Pie, I have some new doughs that are in Pie Camp of do Doing some of those things, David, of folding over and folding over and getting those wonderful layers that steam apart. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I don't think there is anything quite as beautiful as cutting into a pie and seeing those beautiful layers, mm-hmm. those beautiful golden layers that have steamed apart.
0: I absolutely agree with you on that. I adore pie. Pie is one of my absolute favorite desserts. That in layer cakes,
2: Now, David, pie is a food group all of its own. I agree with that. And it's a a guilt-free food because all of the calories have been baked out, you know, and replaced with love.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Well, and even if someone doesn't have time or the personal stamina to make pastry, Kate, you've got an entire chapter in your book about the other pies, right? The ones that don't call for crust.
2: Yes. So these are cousins. Of pies, pie cousins, Mm -hmm. the the pie family is wide and varied and they all use the same ingredients. We have Mm -hmm. flour and sugar and fat and fruit and custards and all of these things can uh, be made in different ways and cobbled together to make other fruit and non-fruit desserts sometimes and they're all wonderful you know you I actually have had times where uh, a pie experiment went awry it
1: happens Uh
2: uh-huh it does you know so I got out the lasagna pan and I turned it into there and I kind of took my spoon through it roughly and took it to a potluck and nobody didn't even blink twice I just and I did Mm -hmm. not say oh this was my pie mistake I said you know oh here here's my um my pie cousin (laughs) you know I said it was a crumble. And so I think so many times, uh, like the pan dowdy is a very mm-hmm. rustic pie. It's got the fruit filling on the bottom and then it's got a pie-type crust on the top that is roughly cut and kind of broken up. It's it's a dowdy-looking pie. Mm-hmm.
0: Dowdy-looking pie in a pan.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much so.
0: Getting back to baking a pie, I do have a question how do you make sure that the bottom of your pies are nicely browned and not that flaccid, white, pasty pastry?
2: Hey, David, could you say that five times fast, please? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was seeing when I could get the word flaccid yeah. in there, so I got I the knew. word flaccid. I knew that
1: was your objective. I was
0: trying to get that That's in That's pretty
2: good. Well, there are some tricks to uh, getting a, a crust that is nicely browned and crisp. And mm-hmm. there are, you want to put a will-chilled pie into a hot oven. And when you put that pie in there, depending where your heating element is, if it's down on the bottom, you can start your pie on the bottom rack. Then you can move Mm -hmm. it up maybe after 20-25 minutes. You can also place a pizza stone in your oven while it is preheating and place that pie pan mm-hmm. on there and give that bottom a real blast. Mm-hmm. You could put your baking sheet, if you don't have a pizza stone put a sheet pan in there or a cookie tin and um, mm-hmm. you know just get it hot. The main thing is to give that pie that crust, the dough you want the dough to become a crisp crust and to right. do that we need it to get a blast of heat on the bottom Now, knowing your pie pans and knowing your oven are very important things. You just want to make sure that you know that your oven, if it says 425, that it actually is 425 and not 325.
0: And you do that by how, Kate?
2: You can do that by having a separate... Oven thermometer that you can put in there to double check. In fact, I jokingly have said in classes, if you have three extra ones, three oven thermometers go in there, and if two of them agree, then that's the temperature. Mm-hmm. But you can yes. also do a little thing that I call it the toast test. The toast test allows me to find where I have hot and cool spots in the oven. Now that may not seem like it's particularly something that you may not need, but you know, just knowing you know um, information is knowledge is power as they say. So I want mm-hmm. to be able to know um, what my oven is actually doing. So I take white bread, I go to the, like, uh, the stuff that you would get at the dollar store and mm-hmm. I lay it out directly on the oven rack. On my oven racks, it takes 15 pieces of bread, five in each row. There are three rows. <laughs> and I turn my oven on to 325, and I let it toast. And then I pull it out, and I have a visual record of what my oven is doing. I can look at that all those 15 pieces of bread as as if they were one large piece of toast. And maybe mm-hmm. I can see that where it is towards the front of my oven, maybe it is gets a little browner there. And maybe towards the back left-hand side, it's a little lighter. And maybe mm-hmm. my interior part is just this beautiful color, you know, or not, and so that allows me then to see, well, maybe I have a hot spot up, up here in the upper part, or maybe I have a hot spot in the back part. If mm-hmm. and that I could use that information if I wanted to, to either avoid that hot spot or to use that hot spot
1: hmm that's so smart.
0: That's very smart. I've done that, and I was very shocked to find out that my very expensive oven had very uneven heating, mm-hmm. and I had to have them come back several times to get it calibrated mm-hmm. properly, and I, but made all the difference. Wouldn't
2: it be great if we could test drive ovens like we can test drive cars?
0: That would be great. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I have the very good fortune of having been able to bake in ovens all across the country and in Europe, and of all makes, models, and ovens that were entry-level ovens and ovens that are very, very expensive ovens. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter the name, it doesn't matter the price, Mm -hmm. and you can have two ovens that are exactly the same, side by side, and they bake differently.
0: And that's one of the greatest obstacles we as a website face. Because people say, I did exactly what you said, but their oven may be off. And definitely, I understand that completely. So
2: the words are, know your oven.
0: Know your oven. Well, with that wonderful nugget of wisdom, thank you so much, Kate, for stopping by again. We always love having you on the show.
2: Thank you to both of you
1: and be happy make pie. It's such a pleasure, Kate. Thanks.
0: Kate McDermott is a speaker, teacher, and the author of the James Beard Award-nominated book, Art of the Pie. Her newest book, Pie Camp, The Skills You Need to Make Any Pie You Want, just came out. Kate is now teaching virtual pie camps, and you can find out more about that and all about Kate at artofthepie.com. Thanks so much, Kate. Thanks. Thank you. This podcast is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the sometimes crusty, Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. And remember to subscribe to Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear and want to support us, consider leaving a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to thank our sponsor, The Spice House. Remember, you can get a 10% discount on all their carefully curated world spices by going to thespicehouse.com and using the code LCSpice. The offer expires November 1st, 2020. Ciao! <laughs> a very frightened child. That
1: look on your face. <laughs> so maybe,
0: maybe, you could pick up that child from somewhere else. As a very frightened child. Um, I must have like a deer I wish in you
1: guys could have seen a look on his face. Oh my God!
0: I must have looked okay, like a deer in headlights. Oh my God! The child.